Hello, my name is Alex Bankier and I'm deputy editor of the journal Radiology in charge of thoracic imaging. Today with us is Dr. Miranda Kerby from the James Hawk Research Center at the University of British Columbia and on the phone, Dr. Grace Paraga from the Imaging Research Laboratories at the Roberts Research Institute. Our podcast today uh, is to discuss a recent article from this group. Uh, the title of this article is a question. Do imaging measurements of emphysema and airways disease explain symptoms and exercise capacity in mild to moderate COPD? Dr. Kirby, what is the answer to this question? <laughs> uh, the, the short answer to that question is uh, yes. So we, we, we know that, uh, that exercise uh, capacity limitation and symptoms um, are well described in, in all COPD subjects, including uh, mild COPD subjects. But what's, um, what's not as well known is what are the underlying determinants of the, the, the limitation and symptoms in, in these patients. Um, and so what we investigated, uh, a, a relatively large group of, patient, of these patients using hyperpolarized helium uh, magnetic resonance imaging, uh, and we found that it was uh, emphysema that was actually uh, the dominant contributor to uh, both exercise limitation and, and symptoms. I see. Uh, why does helium MRI work so well in early COPD while pulmonary function tests, which are considered the reference standard, if you want, for this disease, do in fact not? Uh, well, I think that the, the hyperpolarized helium MRI um, measurements are, are actually um, giving us uh, functional information uh, on a regional basis. So uh, we're able to visualize all of the places in the lung, um, essentially where air are able to access. So if there's parts of the lung that there's uh, obstruction of the, the smaller airways or the medium-sized airways, uh, we don't see the gas going there. Uh, as well when we have a lot of emphysematous tissue destruction. Uh, we're able, and if the gas is able to access those areas, uh, we're also be able to, to measure those uh, enlarged air spaces. Mm -hmm. so we think that these uh, more global pulmonary function measurements like uh, FEV1 are maybe uh, are not as sensitive at, at measuring the contributions of uh, both the smaller airways and uh, more mild emphysema. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, Dr. Paraga, why is it so important to diagnose COPD early in the course of the disease? Well, I think there are two ways to look at this from our perspective, and I think mainly what we wanted to explain was why in milder disease are there such differences, and why is there so much heterogeneity amongst patients? Patients tend not to be diagnosed until they have symptoms, and they're diagnosed using the standard clinical tools, not imaging, so they're diagnosed using spirometry. Even yet, in the mildest forms, we see a large heterogeneity in symptoms and exercise limitation. And so I think early on, it, I think it would be important for patients to get a full workup so that the underlying contributions to their disease are well understood at the earliest time point so that interventions can be thought through based on that information. I think the second point is that folks who are smokers or, or ex-smokers need to understand that these kinds of tools are out there um, and that the sooner they understand 
understand what's going on in their lungs, the better. And, and I point to other kinds of tests for heart disease um, and Alzheimer's, where the paradigm for early, early understanding helps with uh, treatment decisions. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, Dr. Kirby, there is a lot of talk about CT-definable phenotypes of COPD. Uh, is helium MRI looking at the same phenotypes? And um, uh, what is the added value that helium MR can bring to the field of imaging and diagnosing COPD? Uh, that's a really great question. Um, so with, with CT, uh, we're able to, to quantify emphysema in all regions of the lung, uh, where with hyperpolarized helium gas, we're only accessing those areas of the lung where, where the gas is access. Um, and we're also able to uh, directly uh, quantify the dimensions of the airways. Where, CT, where with a hyperpolarized gas MRI, we're getting more of a functional uh, measurement of, of where, which airways may be, may be obstructed or narrowed uh, that the gas can access. So we are really getting uh, very complementary information. Um, and I think that uh, our studies and our previous studies have shown that, uh, that uh, particularly with our hyperpolarized um, uh, diffusion-weighted imaging, we may be able to, uh, to identify and measure emphysema more at the earlier, earlier stages. Uh, we've, we've shown that there's uh, elevated ADC values as well as abnormal uh, diffusion capacity of the lung for carbon monoxide, so DLCO values in, in subjects that have a normal spirometry and normal CT measurements. Uh, so it may be more suited for looking at uh, disease and an early emphysema uh, in these more mild subjects. I see. Um, a question for Dr. Paraga. Uh, given the limitations uh, to the availability of hyperpolarized helium and helium in general, uh, what uh, are the practical clinical implications of using the method you describe in uh, COPD patients? Well, there are practical limitations for certain, and this should be taken in the study should be taken in that context. There is likely very little um, translational potential for helium MRI, but I think what we're doing now is opening up a conversation about using imaging in general in COPD patients. And I also point to the fact that while we uh, have been using helium MRI, and this is a very large longitudinal study that started back in 2009, we transition to helium xenon MRI, excuse me, and that's the 129 xenon isotope. And that technology is now on the verge of FDA approval and more widespread clinical use. So I think our group and, and most groups worldwide now have transitioned to xenon. And um, there's some interesting um, properties of the xenon gas itself that actually gives us great optimism because there is some more sensitivity. Xenon is more sensitive sensitive to some of these airway and uh, parenchymal abnormalities in COPD and other obstructive lung diseases. I see. So just to make it clear for our listeners, uh, you believe that most or a substantial part at least of the results that were previously obtained with helium can be extrapolated into the xenon framework. Absolutely. And I think uh, we 
we've shown that and other groups have shown that and in particular in COPD and in asthma and um, in fact we're very optimistic about xenon because of its sensitivity to airway obstruction. The gas is thicker and more dense and it is a better approximate or estimate of the constituents of air, the air that we breathe. So we're very optimistic about the potential for xenon to be used clinically, especially in cases where you can't explain why the patient can't exercise, why they're feeling so bad, and FEV1 and other sort of clinical measurements don't explain what's going on with the patient. Interesting. Uh, a question to both of you. Um, in the field of CPD, uh, Imaging with MR um, is always in competition with CT, with pulmonary function tests, so with methods that are either uh, low-cost uh, methods or very widely available uh, methods, while MR is none of, none of the two. Uh, where, if you extrapolate a little bit into the future, where do you see the future role of MR in the workup of COPD? And let's say in five or ten years from now, where do you see the role of MR uh, in the clinical management of patients with COPD? I, um, um, I, I, I guess I, I look at it as um, uh, not as MR versus uh, CT versus uh, FEV1. I think it. I look at it as imaging versus uh, these other um, cheaper. Uh, more global measurements that aren't as sensitive. So I think that first, um, I, I really believe in a more multimodality imaging approach because they do uh, provide very complementary information. Um, and I think long term, where I, I see um, imaging being used for more clinical phenotyping, and um, if these uh, these COPD patients can be can be phenotyped early on, uh, then treatment can be targeted uh, towards those uh, those. Those, those specific phenotypes, um, and that can, uh, in the long term, uh, improve outcomes. I see Dr. Perrano, yeah. you want to add to that? Yeah, I agree with um, Dr. Kirby. Um, I also want to point out that I acknowledge that we're living in a constrained healthcare economic system and that in some cities and some sectors, access to MR and CT may be limited. But again, there is an economic argument for phenotyping patients and having a better look at what's going on with patients because COPD costs a lot of money to the healthcare system, independent of how you're paying for it. And what we've tried to do is show the utility of imaging to save costs. So, for example, to save costs, if you understand what's going on better, you might obviate the necessity of hospitalization for exacerbation. You might be able to treat earlier and better so that the patient is more functional and feels better, and then they can more readily differentiate when their symptoms are just day-to-day -day problems or they're, in fact, experiencing an exacerbation and need immediate care. We've looked at the health economic framework for our healthcare system, uh, which is a little bit different than the U.S., and I think that, on the whole, if you can make a commitment to scanning specific patient populations as quickly as possible, and MR and CT for a patient can be completed in about 10 minutes, then there's a good argument for using it on the economic and on the patient and the patient treatment uh, basis. So maybe, <clears throat> if, I, if I understand your message well, you're making a point for potentially investing more in the diagnosis in early stages of disease in order to 
uh, make uh, economy to spend less in later stages of disease, correct? That's correct. And perhaps there's an argument for even uh, every two years doing follow-up on the patients to watch the pathologies as they progress. You know, the cost of a scan every two years far outweighed by the cost of all the other types of interventions that happen in these patients. And, and so on, on that basis alone, I think it's justified that we continue to develop these tools. I see. Uh, I think this is a very interesting perspective and a very interesting note and look out into the future uh, to end our conversation. Uh, Dr. Kirby, Dr. Paraga, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Hi, this is Herb Kressel. Uh, this month, we have available uh, transcripts of the podcast discussions. Uh, we've learned that uh, many of our listeners and viewers may not uh, be that familiar with English as a, uh, as a language, and uh, we feel that the transcripts will be helpful in furthering their understanding of medical English. We hope you enjoy the podcast, and we hope you enjoy the transcripts. Uh, please contact us uh, with any uh, suggestions for further improvement. Thank you. Thank you.